1: speaking today with Daniel Phelps, survivor of the World Revival Church, should we say cult or church? That's what we're going to be talking about. There's some really interesting stuff coming out recently on the church, an article on Fox News and some other investigations about potential abuse and other things. So let's get into it. Thanks for dropping into Mindship Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. Um, I know it was one of the hard things for me with this. Like, This was a church that I grew up with. so going into the backstory, my family had shown up in Missouri by way of the military because my dad was in the Air Force. And so I guess my mom got connected with the church through a work friend of hers. The church at the time was called Smith and Community Church. And so we started going in around nineteen eighty nine. And at the time I could just kind of seem like this, you know, regular country church in the middle of nowhere town of like 532 people we had the typical you know sunday morning sunday evening and wednesday services which a lot of churches do especially like in the Mm -hmm. evangelical charismatic realm like there's nothing
1: yeah it's not unusual yeah i grew up uh, i grew up an evangelical church in seattle area so yeah we had typical sunday morning sunday evening wednesday night prayer service and all the rest of it yeah so that's so far nothing no red flags or anything
0: Yeah, you know, and especially at the time I was five years old, so.
1: Right, you were too young
0: (laughs) to know any difference. life. Yeah. And I, my parents' background, like, they were both uh, the ORU grads, which, heads up, I am too. Mm -hmm. So I went there later on
1: in life. Right. Um, You went to Oral Roberts University. I did. Very nice. You definitely come out of the charismatic tradition then, no question about it.
0: No question about it. So Mm -hmm. there's already a background, and then. You go to this church and like, it just fits that box. Like you don't see anything weird about us. Like, yeah, you know, like we raise our hands, we speak in tongues, like Mm -hmm. all the usual, like charismatic evangelical stuff. So then a few years after attending, we, they started adding a prayer service, which again, like that's not uncommon at all. Just adding prayers. So now we added a fourth service to things and then kind of around like the mid 90s then you started hearing about these other like charismatic revivals going on so there's the toronto blessing there's the one going on in pensacola florida mm-hmm. and around the time all this stuff was going on there was like kind of a church split that i i still don't really know what happened i know there was some sort of issue that i think had to do with one of the pastor's uh adopted daughters and one of the youth leaders and the pastors themselves. I still don't know what happened. I haven't been able to get anyone to talk to me about it. And then the pastor left to go to Florida to the Pensacola revival for, at this point, like, I can't remember, like, but he was, he was there for a while and we weren't sure when he was coming back.
1: So just a question, who was the head pastor when it was Smithton Community Church? Who was the head pastor at the time?
0: It's, it's still the same
1: pastor. Same person. So this yes. was one of the people on staff who left to go to Florida?
0: Not just, yeah, that's, that's the whole thing in there. Uh, mm-hmm. So Steve Gray is the pastor and right. Kathy Gray is his wife. They were the pastors then they're the pastors. Now this is all just kind of the and kind mm-hmm. of the initial kickoff to like, I think when things like really just started becoming a huge mess, I think there was, mm-hmm. there's groundwork before, but like, I was so young and I can't find anyone to talk to me. Uh, about mm. that
1: time period, really. So something so, went down that the the church kind of split anyway. I mean, it's again, though, you have to say it's not unusual. It happens no, it's all not, it's not the time. Unusual. I what? went through a church split when I was a pastor. You know, it happens. Well, I should say when I was in, when I was an elder of a church, our church split when I was just in leadership and half the church left to go plant another church. It wasn't there were any sex, sexual impropriety, just a different vision and all. So it happens a lot, doesn't it? that kind of thing.
0: It does. And so, but looking back on things like here's the part, that's a little more unusual.
1: So these prominent
0: people left, nobody left with them. And that same night that they left, there is almost this weird thing that happened, looking at it now where everyone in the church then kind of went up and said, where else would I go? I'm not leaving. Now I realize it was almost like taking a pledge to the mm. pastor that we're with you. Like every single person in the building did that.
1: Okay, that's a um, that's unusual. That's unusual. Yeah, that certainly didn't happen in our church. I mean, you could freely <laughs> no. choose to stay or leave, and a yeah. bunch of people left and a bunch of people stayed, and that was you know we just processed it as best we could. There wasn't any weird cult or personality or anything <laughs> you know going on. No, no.
0: And as a kid, like I mean, gosh, I was like. 11 or so at the time like i had been
1: i'm
0: just there i'm just i don't know anything else
1: yeah that's your reality Um, right it's normalized yeah
0: so pretty close to the time that the pastor is going to come back we had heard about the service that happened in florida where it's like hey this exciting thing happened everyone ran up to the front during the song kicked off their shoes jumped up and down cool and then the worship pastor who side note is also the head pastor's nephew the whole church staff is staffed by steve gray's family members right.
1: so classic nepotism
0: in other words 100 yeah um, it just gets it just gets worse from here
1: as <laughs> again um, though you have to say that's normal isn't it, it? Is. i mean it's so many churches you can see head pastor is this this person you know you look at the staff members family members in-laws you know relatives yeah nepotism is, is rife in church leadership
0: yeah, it's 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 true. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of issues with that. Um, I think a lot of the issues don't come in when the church building is owned by the pastor's own personal company.
1: Um, that is unusual.
0: When the staff is just the pastor's immediate family, like you look at the documents of the ministry company business, whatever, like it's pastor. Pastor's wife and then usually like maybe a daughter, nephew, mm-hmm. someone like that who has like that immediate thing. So when he left there there's this idea given that, oh he might not come back. Now I'm like, Are, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> you own this church. Yeah. Like you've literally gotta come you back. own this church. Like it's, you can yeah. close up the doors if you want, but mm. like you can't just leave this because you own this. So
1: That's uh, really interesting though, as a dynamic, yeah. isn't it? Because in so many cases...
0: Now, side note, nobody knew that.
1: Ah, I know right, that now, okay, right. right. But nobody knew that. Okay, there wasn't common knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't want the head pastor owning the physical property where the church meets. That's right there. There's some red flags, isn't it? Because there's, there's potential for abuse. Not necessarily, but usually it's owned by the congregation in a sense. They own the building. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's not the case with this.
1: Mm, okay. Nobody knew
0: it because um, everything's tight and under wraps. But mm-hmm. like now I was like, Hmm, yeah, you're, were, you're were coming back. <laughs> no doubt about <laughs> so, it. Okay. So we actually practiced that whole thing like with like, Hey, pastor walks in, we're going to play this song. Everyone's going to run up to the front and kick off their shoes. And so, you know, when that happens, that's exactly what happens. But then. After that moment, when Steve Ray came back in, he's like, I don't know what happened here, but I'm going to come back tomorrow. And is like, and take out that practice session. That moment is the origin story of the Smith and outpouring that happened on March 24th, 1996. Mm-hmm. That is this spontaneous movement where God flooded through the building. And then like since then, like, I mean, it was, now I believe what was happening was he went to Florida to study what they were doing as a marketing thing to get attention.
1: Sure. And it worked. I mean, it worked. Absolutely. Um, like, a lot of people did that though, didn't they? Cause I can recall I was an evangelical when the, you, you mm-hmm. mentioned the Toronto blessing. Yeah. I remember that we used to study that. We studied that in seminary as a kind of a case study and we saw uh, people flew in from all over the world. I had a mm-hmm. friend that went down to the Solomon islands cause there was some sort of revival going on there. I don't know if you remember that, but they would go down there, study it, and try to replicate what they were doing back in their home church. So even that isn't all that uncommon in Christianity. No,
0: And learning like what other people are doing is fine. I think the practicing Mm -hmm. of the origin story and making it sound like we didn't practice that. Right. um, And
1: and then like... Yeah, revival just broke out immediately, instantaneously. It's a miracle. Yeah. And all of a sudden like
0: words spread like True Integrity Mm. Music did an album on the Smith and Outpouring. Visit from Newsweek, Time, Charisma, Christianity Today. Like, I mean, word spread and like people were coming from all over the world. And eventually, you know, you know, you having an an extra five hundred people show up in a town of five hundred people.
1: People are gonna notice. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's like it's definitely outgrowing. So, Mm. um, money was being raised to get something closer to the highway in the same town. Um, I think there's either some property given or donated or bought or whatever, where they were going to build a new church building. Like all of this stuff is fine. But then all of a sudden the pastor gets up and says, Hey, the cloud is moving and we're going to Kansas city. Okay. A word from <laughs> so the you,
1: a, a word of knowledge. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And so long story short, that's what happened. Like, 70 families packed up all their belongings moved two and a half hours down the road to Kansas City uprooting everything then they bought this property built up this new church renamed World Revival Church of Kansas City gosh I think there's something like 72 acres that they own so they Mm, built up a couple huge compound Um, church still not that big Uh, I know Mm -hmm. the Fox 4 they reported 400 people Um, I think it's a little bit more than that. Um, I I think there's probably a core of maybe like five to six, but like maybe it's shrunk. So I don't know where that number came Mm. from.
1: Um, I heard somewhere it was between 700 and a thousand. So that's a, a, that's what they say. That is so far off. You think that's more, yeah, it's nowhere (laughs) near a thousand. Yeah. And that's interesting.
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been services where there has been a thousand people who have showed up, but like that's, Far from common. Um,
1: it's not the normal you, weekly attendance.
0: Yeah, you might on a Sunday morning, you might get six to 700, depending. But that's also like not a regular occurrence. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've seen the attendance charge. Yeah.
1: So looking at this objectively now, you're saying, OK, they have this supposed outpouring when they were still in Smithton. And then suddenly Pastor Gray stands up one Sunday and just announces out of the blue, we're moving to Kansas City. But the whole thing you could say was a cynical marketing ploy just to gain numbers and attention and notoriety and, and all that. Would you say yeah, that now I, looking at it?
0: Oh, 100%. Like, especially mm-hmm. now, like, I've looked at stories that he's told where um, he said back in the day he was up for a recording contract because he used to be a traveling musician before he became a pastor. And he was up for a recording contract between him and the Christian singer Carmen, but Carmen won out. I don't know if that's true or not, but like you can, through something that like that, you realize like there's been this drive for like fame.
1: Right. And, notoriety, fame. Yeah. yeah. And money. I want to get and, it one way or the other.
0: Yeah. And so like he decided that being a church pastor is like maybe his best bet. So. Right. Um, and it's Which never again, quite it's not worked a, out.
1: Yeah. It's not a uniform. Yeah. It's not a common because I had a I've got a good friend of mine we used to be uh, building contractors in the states before I moved over here and he ended up going down to Mexico as a missionary and then finally landed in Texas at a big church there and the guy who was the pastor same kind of thing he told me one time that he used he was a failed rock star you know he tried to make it big <laughs> didn't make it and he saw the church as his sort of new stage as it were mm. you know so he would do these performances every Sunday and he was he was really good as a musician but clearly that was his, you know, new venue. If I can't be a rock star, I can at least be the, the pastor of a church. I've got a captive audience here. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, I,
0: I'm not faulting you for wanting to be famous. But like you, you, it's one of those things, like I know people have that, like I was like out for a while. I'm like, someone would mention something I'm like, well, that's not really like a cult thing. Like that's kind of a normal church evangelical thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then like all these little pieces of stuff coming together. And I noticed a lot because um, my personal experience was a lot different than a lot of the people I grew up. Because around the time they moved to Kansas City, they also started like a private school, church, church school. Like,
1: mm-hmm. again,
0: not that uncommon. I didn't go because they, they weren't accredited. My mom's an educator. And so I went to a public school.
1: You're very in my fortunate. Experience,
0: Yeah. And I was lucky in the fact that I went to a uh, public school and like my parents actually let me be involved with stuff. It's like, I got to do like, hey, cross country, theater, band, Mm -hmm. show choir, track, all that stuff. Like none of my friends got that experience. Um, So when the revival started, obviously services were added. So on top of the Sundays, eventually once the Sunday night service was cut, but then we had like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Mm. Sunday, all in church. And so especially if you're a student at the school, you're in school at the church
1: right you're living you're there 24 dinner. Seven. yeah yeah you're
0: living there 24 7 um i think one of the first red flags i noticed is when i left for college going to oru and then they've had a school of ministry and i thought that's cool that's not the way i want to go but you know mm-hmm. ministry school you know revival yeah yeah that makes sense like raise up some people send them out like let revival spread that's that's my mindset i'm thinking but then i I started noticing that these people who went to the ministry school didn't leave.
1: Right. They got sucked I, in.
0: I'm like, why are you still here? You got your education. You got your training. Like, why aren't you going out? Mm-hmm. To um, the gospel. Yeah. So then I realized years later, my wife told me she ended up being a ministry school student. And she said, yeah, like they tell you like, this is the ark. Why would you leave the ark? I'm like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs>
1: wait a minute. <laughs> more red and flags.
0: I, yeah. And I start seeing people who like left the church just like really struggling with stuff, but mm. they're not talking about it. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. Cause like, I got to be a little bit more detached. Like even I had jobs where I could work like during those like revival church service. Cause I didn't feel that pressure because, you know, I wasn't there 24 seven.
1: Mm. You were, again, so, fortunate in that regard. Yeah, yeah, I was. Because these are um, now raising cult, like you said, cult awareness markers. As we know, one of the classic markers of cults is keep the members so busy. They're physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, and there's always something going on, and you're you're too busy all the time to think critically and question what's happening. That is a classic cult technique, isn't it? Absolutely.
0: Like I mean, it's one of, like, every yeah, list that you go through of, like, it's like what makes a cult? Like that's that's the signs. Like Almost, always, yeah, always there. And then like you throw in like the pastoral staff like encourages lack of sleep. It's like
1: I don't mm-hmm. know,
0: stay up. I are mean, literally no exhausted. Yeah, it's so, like they're not even like having the time for like outside reading of like, you know the Bible to see if like hey does this check out? Like I mean I I know some of your listeners like have different thoughts beliefs and things on the Bible. Like I understand that. I mean I,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I you know I in my deconstruction of what is christianity too so i totally get that but a lot like, of questions looking at from that objective aspect of like hey like, is what the pastor saying does it even line up with scripture mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's not time to do that um if you're not even supposed to read books that haven't been read and okayed by the pastor uh, mm-hmm. my wife got in trouble for that she was at some like newly married wives thing and one of the people who were struggling and my wife said, Hey, have you read this book? This really helped me out. And then she got pulled aside and chewed out for recommending a book that was not read by the pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. Like, okay.
1: Right. So um, now we, they, now we're yeah, getting into like Stephen Hassan's bite model. You know, that's one of them, information mm-hmm. control, isn't it? The cult members, their reading material, what they're exposed to is severely limited by the cult leadership. Because they don't want them exposed to different opposing ideas that might, you know, get them to question the doctrine or dogma.
0: No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I even like remember personally like being invited to go to like a men's book study type of thing. It's like, oh, so what's the book that we're going to be going over? Like thinking like is it, like C.S. Lewis or I don't know, like John Bevere, yeah. whoever Some is like, classic. Common, yeah, uh, yeah classic. Right, my, not things, controversial. Like, no, yeah. Ah, uh, turned out the book was going to be Steve Gray's book, My Absurd Religion. I'm like, I've been listening to this guy talk for like 20 plus years. Like, I don't want to go to a book yeah, you, study where there's... I'm just going over the same thing that I hear. Like,
1: yeah, what's he gonna tell you in the, the book that me? you haven't already heard? <laughs> right.
0: Like, no, I'm not gonna do that. And this was before like I even like realized the damage that this place was holding.
1: So, so I, just, like, I just wanted to say, we, before we get too far into it, your parents obviously must have made that move from Smithton to Kansas City. Yeah. They were part of that core group that uh, up stakes and moved to KC. What, did you hear any pushback from them at the time? Like, wow, this is a big step. No. Why are we doing this? It was like, okay, we're going. This is what God wants us to do. Yeah. And a
0: spoiler, my parents are still there. My sister is still there. Mm. Uh, my brother is not, but yeah, they're, my parents, they're plugged in. Yeah, they're plugged in. They're like, ah, I. at this point, there might be one other family who's been a part of the Graves' ministry longer than them.
1: Right. I was going to say now, going back to that move, many of these things are common or uncommon in Christianity. Um, again, though, that's not all that unusual for yeah. a church or pastor to completely move. And I think some of it is, it's a loyalty test, isn't it? We're going to see who's oh, dedicated. Yeah. Because we had a gal, when I was the pastor of the church in Portland, we had a woman who who lived in Portland, but the more I got to know her, she told me this horrific story. She'd been part of a very, very small church, I should say a church, but it was really a cult in Southern California. She grew up there. And one day, same kind of thing, the pastor just stood up in the middle of the service and said, we're all moving to Portland, period, You know, wow. next week. And that's so a bigger move. than a, Yeah. So it was, you know, two state or another state away. And again, a, a, a bunch of families made the move and they, within a very short time sold houses and everything else, quit jobs. And it was like, if you're serious, you're going to come to Portland because that's where God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. So that again is not unusual for a, a, contro- a high control group to do yeah. something like that, to sort of weed out the wheat from the chaff sort of thing. And see who's really going to be standing at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm sure it was all probably easier to do with that move. But with ours, like anyone who didn't move was cut off from communication.
1: Right. So they were like shunned. Yeah. Again, yeah. classic cults, yeah. dispensing of existence. You shun the people who don't come along. Yep. So we're hitting a lot of the markers of a cult anyway. We haven't even gotten yeah. into the doctrine or, and I know there's a lot of abuses that are now coming yeah, out. Yeah, like we haven't even touched Yeah, that, we haven't gotten so to okay. that yet. <laughs> this is still the uh, backstory. Yeah, we're still in the backstory. Right. When are we going to get to the actual <laughs> current events? Yeah. So, yeah, it
0: took me a while to realize, like, what this was. And, like, seeing, like, the trauma from people who left and the things that they were struggling with, like, really started asking myself what the hell has been going on
1: mm.
0: with this church that I thought was a church that was doing good things been going on with because like I was I mean she like I was so fired up that in college like you know I was a theater major but people kind of like half expected me to go into ministry because of like how I guess like on fire Christian I was and mm-hmm. I and I think they would the detachment from World Revival Church helped with that. And the fact that I could leave to go somewhere else, I thought I was like, Hey, you know, like, I'm going to bring like that extra like shot of Jesus into Mm -hmm. wherever I go, you know, like help people love him more. Um, Oh
1: yeah.
0: All that jazz. Then seeing the issues that people like, that's when I like really started having questions like what's going on, especially like when it was like friends that I was close with and grew up with and like, you know, friends of mine who like, they're doing like hardcore drugs like recreationally. I'm like, This isn't, I mean, like, I've been around, like, other Christians, like, Mm -hmm. this, like, I mean, sure, some deal with that, but, like, not to the degree where it's, like, 90% are, like,
1: That's serious.
0: Going through this, or, like, suicides, or other kinds of things like that. It's not the, like, hey, like, you know, like, I'm going to go through my rebellious phase and go party or whatever, like, you know, like, we're talking about serious stuff. yeah. Like, I had a hard time for a while getting people to open up. And now, I guess, like a few years ago, like, I really started digging. like, hey, you know, like, I I come from a military background, and I was a photojournalist for the Air Force for a while. And so, I'm like, you know, like, I I know journalism, like, I know this stuff, like, Mm -hmm. let's, like, let's work on something, like, for my own, what the heck did I go through type of project.
1: Right. So you can and objectively analyze it sort of yeah, critically like, from a more objective point of view. Yeah. It's like, let's like, what are the real stories? Like, can I back up the
0: information?
1: Yeah. Do you have the receipts for it?
0: Right. Um, and especially like if I know the people, then I'm gonna, I know they're going to tell the truth. Like, mm-hmm. I know who I can trust and who I can't trust. So yeah, that's when I like really started digging in and finding out all this information. Like, wait, what? What um, the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, and th- this is where I'm like, okay, you know, obviously, like, there's regular, like, spiritual, religious trauma coming from the teachings. Um, like, for example, like, the pastor will go through in a service, and, like, I actually downloaded a video of this, like, as proof, like, no, he he absolutely says this He stuff. said it.
1: Yeah, you've got yeah, it on like,
0: record. He went to the congregation, and he's like, you know what, I always know, like, what kids are going to leave their parents. Like, the parents, like, bad mouth Steve usually like the kids leaving in that spirit of rebellion or division or whatever is going to follow. And those parents are going to lose their relationships with their kids. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically putting that pressure on parents like, Oh, I can't badmouth or critique or criticize any of this stuff at all. Otherwise I'm going to lose my relationship with my kids. Mm -hmm. Or there is another service that like I was able to grab before they pulled the video footage of where this young lady and her husband went up and said so, yeah steve wanted us to tell the story about this lunch that we had on him like we just begged him don't ever stop what you're doing don't ever stop what you're doing and like she literally in the middle of the service she got down on her knees begging steve gray to not stop what he's doing
1: that's what? Yeah. <laughs> what's going on here that ain't normal <laughs> for a typical your mainstream if it's just a mainstream sort of charismatic evangelical church You don't see that kind of stuff typically. Yeah, so there's some serious red flags. We're going to be right back with the second half of this conversation with Daniel Phelps talking about surviving the World Revival Church cult out of Kansas City. Some really strange stuff going on in there for sure. And we're going to talk about some of the theology as well as how it relates to some of the models of cults that we know of from sociologists and cult experts so stay tuned for that just wanted to mention what's coming up real quick here on Mindship podcast I've got an episode coming out with Ryan Stoller coming up soon. In fact, that's the next episode that's going to drop. We had a really interesting conversation the other day about his experiences growing up as a Christian homeschooler, and now he's an advocate speaking out against the abuses within the system. He's done a ton of research, writing. Of course, that's his own lived experience, so that was a fascinating conversation with Ryan coming up. Also, keep an eye out for the episode that I did with Rachel Bernstein of the Indoctrination Podcast. I'm not sure when that's going to drop, but... We're coordinating that so we can release the first half on her platform and then the second half that we did here on Mindship Podcast. And then speaking of other podcasts, I don't know how many of you have been listening to the Christianity Today series on the collapse of Mars Hill Church in Seattle, Mark Driscoll. This is a subject that I've always been really fascinated in. I visited the church myself a couple times, and that has led me to start investigating a little bit further Um, obviously it's coming from an evangelical perspective. So there's some limitations I think to the Christianity today one, but as I was doing my research, I realized that one of the former guests we've had on this show before, Dr. Warren Throckmorton, he was one of the early bloggers that jumped on the Mars Hill stuff when some of the scandals were starting to come out years ago. So I've been in touch with him. And then once we nailed down a day and a time, we're going to do an episode. Kind of talking about his story, looking at how he investigated the Mars Hill stuff. And even now, more stuff's coming out. So he's written some blog posts on his own blog. And there's also another one called the Roy's Report, Julie Roy's. And she's been doing some investigative research on what's happening now in this church that he planted over in Scottsdale, Arizona, which has basically become a cult that Mars Hill never was. The cult that Mars Hill, you know, he wished it would have been, I guess, So he's now got free reign to run his place into the ground. And I've been doing a lot of research, as I say. So I might do a standalone episode just kind of doing my thoughts and my research. Uh, So look out for that as well. Certainly coming up with Dr. Warren Throckmorton at some point here. And also then at the end of August, we're going to be doing a live Zoom call with Frank Schaefer. Uh, Sitting here on my desk, I've got his new book that he just sent to me. It's called Fall in Love, Have Children, Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy, and it's the uncorrected reader's copy. And so this is really cool. We're going to be doing a live Zoom call, like I say, with Frank. With a group of probably six or eight of us, people that support the show on Patreon, people who are part of the Closed Mind Shift Podcast Facebook group, we're putting this call together and we're going to do a conversation. This is going to be absolutely amazing. Everyone has gotten an advanced copy of the book. I've gotten a PDF copy and I've been authorized to send them out to the people who want to be a part of this call. And it's actually not too late. You could still be a part of this call. Support the show on Patreon. You'll find out more information about how you can be a part of that group call with Frank Schaefer coming up talking about his new book. Round about the end of August this month. So, this is really cool, exciting news. We're kind of taking the summer off for some of our Patreon stuff. We've got David Johnson booked in for September. We're going to be talking to him. Of course, he was on the podcast a few episodes ago, talking about the history of racism and the church in America. And so, he's going to be the first guest for our Mindshift Zoom call starting up again in September. And of course, we're going to start up our patron only calls as well in the month of September, which we do once a month as well. So if you want to be a part of that community, as I said, look at the show notes. You'll find the link to my Patreon page, and you can find the instructions on how to join and support the show. If you support the show at a $5 a month level, I'll give you a really cool little gift. Only you can get it here in North Wales. If you support the show at a $10 a month level, I'll send you a free MindShift podcast t-shirt. So some cool benefits as well as getting the episodes every week early before it goes out to the general public. So that's another cool little benefit as well as being part of our closed MindShift podcast Facebook group. All right, let's get back into the second half of the conversation with Daniel Phelps. As he continues to describe how he survived the world revival church cult out of Kansas City. Well, what about its sort of theological uh slant? Where does it come from? Because is it affiliated with like IHOP KC, the International House of Prayer, Mike Bickles Church? Ah, uh, no, are they a new apostolic reformation type thing? No, they're.
0: They're honestly more along the lines of word of faith and prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I mean, there is some, you know, save Israel theology, which is you know super common in the mainstream. But like that's we're gonna yeah. see it, like you know, speaking in tongues, Trinity. You know, like if you give money,
1: like God's gonna bless you tenfold. Sure. Um, so they're like in the Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin type camp are they affiliated yeah. with any of those guys i mean would would steve gray cite anyone as like a, a mentor figure saying hey i read so and so's books he or she has influenced me in this way theologically he, he
0: tried to get some close ties with rodney howard brown i think they had a bit of a relationship for a while mm-hmm. i don't know how deep um i actually could figure out because i got a friend of mine from college who's actually like rodney howard brown's kids um
1: Okay.
0: I, I haven't dug into that and I know they had tried to form a relationship with Kenneth Copeland to, I I honestly don't know about Mike Bickle and IHOP. I feel like there's, especially since they're both in Kansas city, I I feel like there's some tension. There is the idea that I've gotten.
1: Oh, right. Like competing for turf. Yeah. And there's. Although IHOP KC is huge compared to. If World Revival's church around four or five hundred people, KC has got thousands of people, isn't it? It's a true mega church, isn't it? Uh
0: it's not really a church. It's uh-huh. it's just a ministry. Um I think there is a church affiliated with it, but it's it's just a ministry. Um mm-hmm. training ground, all that stuff, but like, they don't actually have like church services.
1: Oh, right, okay, yeah. I studied it um, a little bit when I was doing like the Bethel Redding guys. There's some affiliation with uh, Bill and Benny Johnson and that kind of crowd, the new Apostolic Reformation crowd. Yeah, Dominionist. There's some strange things going on at IHOPKC, that's for sure, as well as Bethel Redding, which is another whole story. But so they're not affiliated though with that that type of movement.
0: No, and honestly, I think one of the biggest things World Revival Church you can't prophesy without Steve Gray's permission at World Revival
1: Church. Mm, A lot of control. Yeah, like he's firmly I, in control of it.
0: it. Was actually just this past week, I remembering moments where my family, like, we were like out visiting family somewhere else. We went to this church, and my parents got permission to like speak by the pastor of that church, like, Hey, is it you know, you see like, you know, here's a fired up family, like, tell us about yourselves, whatever. Um, and then like later on, my parents would go back and say, Hey, Steve, we had this cool moment, and he shooed them out. Now I realize he said it was a safety thing, but it was now I realize no, you're speaking in ministry without my permission, Mm -hmm. giving credit back to the church. Like I actually saw an email recently where someone said like, yeah, you know, these people left, you know, they had their blessing, but it's, it's really weird that when you go to their ministry website, they don't like talk about Steve Ray or World Revival Church at all. So that, Mm. that really concerns us that they do that. I'm like, no, like this is not, this is their own personal thing that they're doing has nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Why would they talk about another church?
1: Yeah, something's not right there. Well, so it's getting some traction, isn't it? Because as you say, there's that Fox News article that mm-hmm. it's as abuses are coming to light. Then I found another website called checkmychurch.org. I don't know if you've seen yep. that. Uh, uh, yes. Sarah Lee um, Young.
0: Yeah. I actually helped her with a lot of her research for that.
1: Because I could see, yeah, she links to your – because you run that Facebook page, isn't that right? Um, or are you part run... of that? <laughs> so – Okay, that's the whole thing all together. Yeah, because okay, there's, so, a, there's a Facebook page. What's it called? And yeah, what's, what's it all about?
0: So the Facebook page is called Casey Cult Survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is run by a, I'm going to do this because it's not going to show up on the pad yet. A team of people. <laughs> In
1: air quotes, yeah.
0: Yeah, a team of people who like are dedicated to like objectively like exposing what the ch- what's going on in the church. So, mm-hmm. um, former members, you know, will send in their stories anonymously. Um, if they don't want like, to have their face out there. Um, if you go through comms, you'll see people share with the names attached to it, but, uh, most of the stories that come across are done anonymously, mm-hmm. uh, verified fact checked making sure like everything is legit. These are real stories or they'll email, things in like documents, emails that.
1: Yeah. Church correspondence, pass, things like that. Yeah, yeah. That
0: The church definitely doesn't want to be seen. Um, and I know that they're kind of freaking out that there's a leak going on.
1: Right. The spotlight is being shown on, well, what's yeah. the co- common thread? I had a look at the the page real quickly the other day when you, you and I were messaging about doing this podcast. Are there some common threads that you see person to person to person who have been abused by the church what are the common threads
0: common things victim shaming um one of the big ones that's come across it's like workplace abuse of employees while paying them like ridiculously low wages like uh was one was like hey it's like you know we're gonna bump up your pay raise to like twenty thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. while you're working like 80 to 100 hours a week and you know if you want to make a little bit more money like maybe you should start coming to more services as if you're not going to
1: enough, yeah, so they're exploiting economically the workers. That's one thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, and like, on top of that, like, you know, if you're a school ministry student to like cheapen your tuition, um, then you also need to volunteer at the church while going to all the church services while mm-hmm. being in their school. now you need to meet put some work hours in too. So they're, they're constantly 24-7. They're not getting any sleep, which, you know, like if you look at the stuff like, Lack of sleep is like a yeah, common way to brainwash people um, yeah. into things where thinking, like, hey, you're not safe. If you leave this church, you're going to get cancer and die. Well, what was another fun t- um, one of the school of ministry instructors who I don't know what his qualifications are to be teaching anyone? Like, he definitely doesn't have any college degree at all. Mm, was
1: No formal education.
0: Yeah. It's like he told the students, like, Even if an angel of the Lord comes to you and gives you a message, like I would tell that angel, go tell Pastor Steve first
1: to tell me. Right. So we're seeing that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's a very controlling person because I watched, there was a video. I was unable to open the Fox article because here in the UK, we're, you know, we have European restrictions sometimes on websites, but I think Yahoo News picked it up. At least there was a video attached to that Fox report. Cause she went around and talked to a couple of families and they said, one of the common things I picked up on was that the church had destroyed their family. And that must be another common thread where people are staying in the church. People have left the church. They've been shunned and, you know, blacklisted and all the rest of it. And it's just split families right down the middle. Oh yeah.
0: And uh, and one of it, especially like for kids who are just exposed to like all kinds of abuse, um, man, where to start on that. Right. Okay. So. Let's do like family punishment of kids first there's a ministry training manual that you know obviously talks about spanking but then it gets so extreme like for escalating punishments like oh want to know a good way to break that child's rebellious attitude withhold food from them so they're like literally talking about forced fasting Mm. for kids
1: starving your child (laughs) like
0: stronger child into submission like yeah like r- literally, literally written in their training manual it says it talks about forced fasting for kids i'm a okay, parent that's straight there's abuse no there's no way i would withhold food from my kid if they're
1: hungry absolutely yeah no matter how much trouble they're in they still yeah. need to eat you're their parent you have to take care of them
0: Yeah, it's like the most time i do is like hey we're eating dinner in five minutes no you can't have like all of that
1: <laughs> you can smell it cooking. Food.
0: Yeah. You'll be
1: in your room on on a you know timeout or getting spanked. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's that's going beyond because I mean I was raised in the Bill Gothard cult and they taught mm-hmm. corporal punishment as a means oh, yeah. to break the child's will, which I was spanked thousands and thousands of times as a kid. But we never I, got. I we we're we're never yeah. went without a meal.
0: Right. I I've never I haven't heard of any place that advocates for forced fasting of kids.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Um, And so parents are literally abusing their kids by withholding food from them. in addition to the corporal punishment. Mm -hmm. And that's all some of the, some of the teachings of, of Steve Gray.
0: Yeah, that is. Um, And then you can get into the darker stuff where there's been like actual, like sexual abuse and assault that's been covered up.
1: By Um, by the pastor?
0: Yeah, by the pastor. Um, Hmm. Officially he says like it's never been reported or brought to his attention um that's not true that's bullshit like, it's mm. such bullshit so the first time i came across that was from a prior academy student um she had just turned 21 um and this like really her coming forward really opened the floodgates for people being willing to share their stories so i have to get credit to her and i like, will document that the documented that this did happen like she had she had text messages mm. with the people involved yeah, all of that. So she, she had turned 21 and she's like, hey, I want to like, you know, try drinking with my friends for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. And so there were two guys there, one who was, on, was like involved on the worship team and the other was the pastor's granddaughter. When uh, the Kansas City Star talked about this one, the church said, no, this isn't the pastor's granddaughter. Like this person has no involvement with church relationship at all. And then I went to like her wedding photos and I said, Oh, look, here's the pastor walking her down the aisle. Here's the wedding photographer saying like my grandparents. So right. That's yeah, her. you can say that, but like, no, she's absolutely yeah. the pastor's granddaughter. Yeah. It's definitely if not her. biologically. So they're straight they're up still, lying.
1: Yeah. Distancing yeah. themselves.
0: Yeah. So basically what happened, the pastor's granddaughter and like these other guys got this girl to drink something like insane amount, like, 20 shots or something like that So she was blackout drunk. And one of the guys took advantage of her um, in that state, even though she had said multiple times, no, I don't want to sleep with this person because mm-hmm. um, she was not beforehand. consensual. She's like, no, I don't want to do this. And I guess like in the middle, she was even saying no to the girl said, like, I actually remember the pastor's granddaughter coming in, seeing this guy and what he was doing, laughing and walking out the door. Then afterwards, got her to like, take a shower, do anything to like remove evidence of what happened. They preemptively went to the police, told the police this didn't happen. I know one of my a family member of mine told my parents who went to go to talk to the pastors and the pastors were told, we are aware what happened and we are handling this. And so like, uh, there's a whole issue like with the police and investigating sexual assault. So that's, that's a whole other story. But the point is, like, church knew, pastor's granddaughter involved. And there's screenshot text messages as well as apology letter from the guy who did it, all confirming that this 100% in fact did.
1: Definitely happen.
0: Happened. Yeah.
1: And they basically covered it up.
0: Yeah, they covered it up. And that That's just one. Um, another one I know of where a friend of mine um, was assaulted by a member on staff. His brother was assaulted by a member on staff. And when they went to talk to the pastor's, the pastor's daughter, who's like kind of the admin person in charge of everything brought in the abuser to all of them have a sit down discussion about this. That's like a no, no, you don't. That's so do inappropriate. That. You don't yeah. do. You don't bring the abuser in with the victim. No way.
1: Yeah. That's hugely inappropriate.
0: Yeah. Like, and these are just a few, like there's a couple other stories with it too. Like I know like, yeah, like legit, child predators like there is a man who is closely involved with the church too who somehow got trusted parents and would have like young kids over at his house and he'd be feeding them like alcohol and what that, the hell's and then, going on yeah and that's when i realized oh that's why all my friends are like having so many issues because this was happening to them
1: yeah they were abused as children yeah yeah so again though these are classic kind of cult markers aren't they yeah you know can't from a PR point of view, you can't have anything bad about the cult. So these nope. stories are suppressed and, and covered up and silenced by the leadership because they don't want them, don't want it reflecting badly on them. And yet that, that just means it's, it's an environment rife for more abuses, isn't it? Because the abusers know they could get away with it with impunity. They'll just keep abusing.
0: Yeah. And like more and more stories come out like this. Like, and a point is made to always say like every Story counts, and I think some people have a hard time. Like we're like, well, I wasn't like physically abused, I wasn't sexually abused, so like my abuse and trauma that I went through isn't valid. Like no, like you were in a cult, like you were indoctrinated
1: to hmm. like you still have religious put, trauma put syndrome.
0: Steve and revival before everything else. Like so, your family was important. If people left, like you had to cut off friendships, like just like point blank if yeah. someone was considered fringe like they were in danger of leaving they were told hey don't talk to these people like don't be friends with these people so i know people who had struggled like being involved and feeling like they were part of a community because later on they warned realized people were warned not to talk to them
1: and those again classic cult markers Well, yeah. we were talking about When we were messaging a couple of weeks ago, setting this podcast up, I mentioned that what I'd done, I put that Fox article in our closed Facebook group and we had a lot of comments on it, you know, about the, it's called congregation or cult, former members accused Kansas city church of abuse, Fox for Kansas city. And one of our patrons, he is named Daniel. He's actually a British guy. Do you want to hear his story? Because I want to, I want to hear what your reaction is to, so they visited, World Revival Church. So Daniel posted up and he said, uh, "Yes, I know this church." He said, "I went there in 2000. It was in a big semi-permanent tent that they were having meetings." Weirdest oh yeah,
0: th- <laughs> this is all. I ringing remember about. that time. I remember that time. Yeah. He yeah, says we were in we were in a tent on that property for a whole year.
1: Right. The so your coldest yeah. winter,
0: the hottest summer. All. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you're right in there with Greg Locke. You know his his church in Tennessee is meeting in the circus tent. But Daniel goes on to say, "It was the weirdest thing I've ever been to. We got there early, and they made us stand in the sweltering sun outside for ages. And then they wouldn't let me pray for my friend because I wasn't in the ministry team." Yep, that does that's, that sound familiar?
0: That is like one thing they say: like if someone doesn't have a prayer badge, don't let them pray for you, or don't let them pray for anyone else.
1: But why? They why should, to, Why can't you know? He's, he's a, he was a Christian man. at the time. Why couldn't he pray for his friend?
0: <laughs> I wish I had a good answer for that. <laughs>
1: More control.
0: Um, I, yeah,
1: that's really what it comes
0: down to. Like, It was said in the name of safety because some people aren't safe to pray for people. And so they want to make sure mm-hmm. the sanctuary is a safe place. I That's, that's what they say. Um, obviously, like, it's crazy talk, but that is the...
1: That's the official the line. That's the official line. Right. Okay. Well, there's more to the story. So he goes on to say... Uh, in another thread, he says, I remember that day clearly and often think back on it. We were going for the weekend at the start of our year out thing because they had come down from Canada. He says, we drove down from Winnipeg as there was quite a bit of buzz about it then, which I think you're talking about. That was when the talk of the revival and stuff was going on. He mm-hmm. says, we, on- we only went to one meeting as our leaders felt something was off. So we went to the next dodgy place, IHOP and Mike Bickle's <laughs> church. The
0: <laughs> he- next dodgy
1: I yeah. love that. <laughs> met, he said, I met Mike Bickle in the toilets, which was weird. Then he goes on to say, at the World Revival Church in Casey, one of our group went forward for the gift of speaking in tongues, spent the entire rest of the trip speaking in tongues wherever we went, like in Denny's, and even walked into a lamppost because of it. When we got back to the church in Winnipeg, the pastor cast a demonic spirit out of him <laughs> because his tongues weren't discerned to have been godly. Lots of African-sounding noise with ba 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 sounds. Then he started speaking in more quote normal tongues. After that, what a week of my life that was! <laughs> so that's the story of Daniel his his visit in 2000 to World Revival Church in Kansas City. I mean, I don't even know where to go with where do where do you begin <laughs> with?
0: I like, guess yeah, speaking of tongues, like that's that's a whole discussion.
1: Yeah, a yeah. whole
0: another topic that sure. could be had right there. Like, what is that?
1: really what's going on um, with that. Yeah. Yeah. I know we, you've got to go for another family thing in a, in a mm-hmm. few minutes, but while we're wrapping up, what's the point of you doing all this activism? Why are you speaking out? Why are you trying to raise the profile of this issue about this church, which you believe is a destructive cult?
0: So I, I get that question a lot. Like, why are you doing this? Like, mm-hmm. like, do you really think people are going to leave? So many lives have been damaged by this place, uh, the name of the Facebook page, it's called Casey Cult Survivor um, It's open. So anyone can go to it uh, that's done on purpose because we want people to be aware of what's going on. Um, while I don't think that it would have that much of an impact on people leaving um, because this is a cult. a lot of times like stuff like this makes them dig in harder. Mm-hmm. I think what it can do is it can keep people from coming and them getting hurt their children getting hurt
1: that might prevent and ulti- someone from cur- yeah
0: the- and ultimately there's always been a high turnover rate in the church people mm-hmm. they,
1: revolving they get door
0: out. yeah like like i said there's only like two or three families that have been there from the beginning and this was a church that were originally 70 80 families uprooted their lives there's like two or three left so people leave and like somebody like i want this place to be shut down whatever like i think the biggest way to have that happen is to have new members stop coming
1: right and so education is a is a primary yeah. goal
0: yeah and like and for if people stop coming eventually there's not going to be
1: anyone left because people leave well and the the element of support it's got to be huge for those members for example, in that Facebook group that have shared their stories, one of the biggest things is simply just telling your story, because I'm sure reading some of the threads in that Facebook group, people are saying, oh my gosh, the same thing happened to me. I'm not the only one. That's yeah, hugely I, validating, isn't it?
0: I can't think of a single story where someone has said, I didn't experience the same thing. Yeah, it wasn't an outlier. Yeah, there's there's not been a single outlier.
1: Right. So that tells you a lot right there. You, there's a pattern of abuse or abuse mm-hmm. is plural really, isn't there within this system?
0: Yeah. And also shortly after the Fox four article, world revival church put out a fact sheet on their website, basically I saw that. Uh, discounting the claims. Um, and also a couple of claims that I wasn't aware of. So now I'm questioning like,
1: <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> that has I didn't like, know cool about that way. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, was like, I didn't know
0: about that. So now I'm, totally questioning that one better chase
1: that one up too
0: (laughs) yeah um i showed it a few people who were specifically uh attacked and kind of called out vaguely in the fact sheet i sent screenshots of them and like hey just you know this is what they're saying and they're like oh my gosh that lying
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yep so they're yeah they're they're trying to get out ahead of some of these stories it sounds like before they Mm -hmm. even maybe become public we're getting out ahead of the headlines in a way. That's, a, yeah, that's another they, uh, classic thing. You got to watch out for that. I mean, if, you're, if your church has been called a cult, that might be a sign that it might be a cult. And that's another red flag, isn't it?
0: Yeah. They also uh, hired an investigator into themselves who they say came back saying, hey, we didn't do anything wrong. Right. Um, nothing to see by here the folks way, which by the way that investigator was a employment lawyer in georgia so a completely other state and people were advised don't talk to the lawyer so of course the lawyer couldn't find anything so sure. of course like, there's nothing to report so the church said hey
1: yeah we got you know, a clean bill, bill of health we're fine yeah it's like yeah. it's really and- easy what you cannot
0: find when you investigate yourself
1: exactly and did he talk to any ex-members like yourself or others who've suffered a a lot of abuses if he was only talking to people at the church at the time they're literally singing from the same hymn sheet if they did talk to him at all they're going to tell him the same story that's probably been approved by pastor steve gray
0: oh well that reminds me of another weird story i hadn't brought up and i guess this will have to be like my wrapping up
1: okay so a lot of this
0: like really got started was because like was it last summer um, I got a call from my dad saying that he got a call from Steve Gray that there were some people mad at me because I was trashing the church online. I hadn't said anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been talking to some friends, like just trying to figure out like what's been going on at the church. Cause I didn't know. Cause I was kind of an outsider to a lot. And apparently like these guys were going to find me, hunt me down. If they couldn't hurt me, they were going to hurt my family. I'm like, really? Like, nobody knows where I live, like, I'm, I'm halfway across the country, like, from Missouri, (laughs) so weird, like, so I'm, like, okay, so I'm, like, you know, like, but if they're going to say stuff like this, like, I'm going to publicize that this happened, so, like, I made a post on Facebook, like, yeah, so there's these, like, revival vigilantes that are after me and are threatening my family, so just so you know, this happened, which that, like, kind of spread around pretty quick and yeah, then
1: but it kicked my off dad then. got
0: a call from steve gracie no 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 i didn't say those things and my dad's like i don't really want to be involved with this like maybe you should just talk directly i was like can steve give you a phone call i'm like yeah
1: sure okay i'm
0: like i'm like okay i don't know what he's gonna say but i know one thing for sure i'm going to record this
1: yes i was gonna say <laughs> i hope you recorded like, it i'm
0: i'm to going to record this like my first thought was, okay, like, I'm not going to tell him. I just want to hear what he says. And then
1: yeah, but,
0: um, you may want to lo- look up the legality of that. And because some states are like two-party, both parties need to be aware. Um, and because of where I live, I'm in a two-party state. Missouri is a one-party. Mm-hmm. But it's like, let's let's just be on the safe side. So Steve called me and I said, hey, uh, just, you know, like, um, just letting you know I'm recording this conversation. And so we just had a conversation and, just Trying to get to the bottom of like this whole revival vigilante thing, and that is on YouTube. It's called Conversation with Steve Ray. So, if you want to hear how that went, you know, knock yourself out. I think it's got more than a thousand views at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth hearing the character and the way they like talk around stuff.
1: It's quite revealing as to where he's coming from. Yeah, it's a,
0: it's it, yeah, it's funny.
1: Hmm. Um yeah, I think you sent me that link as well. So we can put that in the show notes. I was thinking too, uh, in the show notes, we'll also put the link to the Facebook group as well. So I'm thinking if people are former members of the church or perhaps in the Kansas City area thinking, hey, I might be church shopping. This World Revival Church sounds like it's a really cool going concern uh well let's give them some information before they check out this place and maybe like you said head a few of them off hopefully a lot of them off before they even set foot in the place
0: yeah and honestly too um just because like we've only like really scratched the surface Mm -hmm. a lot education is a big thing so like if you have questions like message the page like some people are like you know like i feel skeptical and like that is totally okay like absolutely questions for a long time like, I didn't realize what this was until I really started digging in. And now, like, I'm even, like, beginning to realize some of my own, like, trauma and stuff that I'm trying to sort through. It's like, oh, my gosh, like, how damaged was I
1: without realizing it? Oh, yeah, man. We just had this discussion last night. I was on a podcast with a good friend of mine, David Hayward, the naked pastor, the Still Unbelievable podcast. Yeah, he's Love a good friend stuff. of mine. And we got in, we, we were recently on a panel for the conference on religious trauma as three ex-pastors, me, him, and Tim Sledge, the Goodbye Jesus ex-pastor out of Houston, Texas, and we realized that, my God, when we were pastors, we were traumatized badly, and yeah. I just started thinking about, you know, like you said, more stuff starts coming up when you really dive into what we went through in our time in evangelicalism or in this cultic sort of movement, so it's a big thing, isn't it? You're always peeling back yeah. the layers of the onion. Yeah, that's,
0: yeah, it's it's true. i like, um... Just got Absolutely, to keep trying to figure out and
1: you know counseling. That's, that's why we keep doing work on religious trauma syndrome. I keep doing more and more episodes because I realize I myself have suffered so much of it, you know. And uh, people that I hear from, like yourself, they're like, "Oh my God, I'm I've got a lot of work to do." Well, now I was thinking too. If people want to find you personally, I know we—I think we, we connected on Twitter actually originally, and then you started messaging me through the Facebook page. How can people find you? What's the best place on social media?
0: Facebook's probably the best way. Daniel Phelps—it's um, a super common name,
1: so there's a million Daniel Phelpses out there. there.
0: <laughs> there's there's a lot out there. Um, but
1: sounds yeah, like the uh, Facebook, Facebook page is the best place to go if you're looking cult for information. Casey
0: Survivor is going to be the yeah. It's going to be the easiest, most direct
1: way. Um, right. That's your first is, port of call, it sounds like.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, like, if you want to get a hold of me personally from that, um,
1: I can There's ways to do point it. you
0: in the right direction that way. But All right, right cool.
1: Well, as you say, we probably just scratched the surface, but maybe we could do another episode. You know, We could do a little bit more chatting and talk about some of the specific things. I'm interested to hear what people's comments and feedback are off the back of this conversation, especially if we... Uh, find someone who is part of the church that might lead to some really interesting stuff. So, thank you, Daniel, for your activism, for your work that you're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Dad.